deepest bowels of your imagination. Actually, he's from Canada there, bud. From the famed Hotter Show Studios, this is The Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We're rolling audio here today on episode 92 of The Hotter Show. How are you? I hope you're doing fan-freaking-tastic. Thank you so much for tuning in clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. Got a very cool episode for you today, guys. Um, earlier in the week there, I sat down and did a little Skype call interview with my man, Mr. Jacob Grandi from the Old One Two Pro Wrestling Podcast, former host, co-host of the Fast in the World Podcast, and Peter and Jake Talk Wrestling. Really was a great conversation. It was my first time doing anything over Skype, legitimately doing anything over Skype anyway. Um, and I think it went pretty darn well. I was really happy with the quality. Um, the conversation with great Jacob was just a great dude. Loves wrestling. He's been a lifelong wrestling fan. There's so much I learned about him and um, kind of his background in wrestling and that kind of thing. It was such a blast. This part here today, we basically just strictly talk wrestling. Um, we don't really talk about much else, um, but that was kind of what I wanted for this part one here. So really hope you guys enjoy it. It's a great, great conversation. Um, I do apologize in advance um, because there is some uh, weird kind of um, audio increases and that kind of thing that uh, do happen in the podcast. There's a couple, there's uh, well, more than a couple times actually where it does skip. Um, it skips like a, a, a split millisecond, just enough to kind of go, but it doesn't really uh, take away from the conversation, I don't think, anyway. Um, so I do apologize if it gets annoying, guys. We tried to edit out as much as we possibly could. That's what happens when you have crappy internet, but uh, either way, I still think it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed having Jacob on the podcast. Definitely going to have him on again in the future. Um but uh, it was a great conversation. Really, really talk about some cool stuff. I asked him some cool questions. We touched on kind of how he first got into wrestling. Talk about his father, who actually was an independent wrestler. I didn't know that. Um, talk about his podcast, some of the people he's interviewed. Um, we talk about whether he's a, what kind of an error he enjoys more, whether it was the Attitude Era or was the kind of Ruthless Aggression Era, whatever it is, classic wrestling and that kind of thing. Tons of stuff we talk about. Talk about whether or not he wanted to actually get into wrestling and what his gimmick would be. You also hear what my gimmick would have been, so I think it's pretty funny. It's a great podcast. Really, really enjoyed having Jacob on. I want to just roll right into the podcast here, guys. Don't take up any more time. Let's get into it. All right, so I'm currently being joined right now on the show by Jacob Grandi, who is the host of the Old One Two Pro Wrestling Podcast. You guys might also know him as one of the former co-hosts of the Fastest in the World Podcast, as well as Peter and Jake Talk Wrestling. I've talked about him before on the show a bunch of times. Really enjoy his work and his podcast. I'm very excited to have him on the show. Jake, what's going on? Nothing much. Just uh, enjoying my uh, Monday off. Excited for Raw tonight. Cypher World Rumble, uh, I think in, was it, about 13 days? Yeah, I think about 13 days now, the 20, 29th. Oh, yeah. So it'll be very exciting. I'm looking forward to it, too. We're going to go to a buddies and watch the whole thing. So it's going to be a gonna be a good time. For sure, for sure. Always a good time. I think Royal Rumble is by far my favorite pay-per-view. I just love the, uh, the Royal Rumble match itself, and there's always at least one good title match. So super excited. Absolutely, yeah. I've I think the Royal Rumbles it's it's definitely a favorite of mine as well. I mean, obviously, I think everyone loves WrestleMania, but um, I I think Royal Rumble is always a good time though for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this year looks pretty good. I mean, uh, they got a lot like Goldberg, Taker, Brock Lesnar. So it looks like they're really beefing up this this year specifically. Yeah, I think I thought it was interesting when I saw the poster. Um, they had all the you know the big four guys out front, Cena, Taker, Lesnar, and Goldberg. Um, and then you, you see little AJ Styles in the back, <laughs> their world champion. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny, but yeah, I mean, but AJ uh, tore it up this year. I mean, he was the first person ever to be on uh, the Wrestle Kingdom ten, and then also be on WrestleMania and leaves the year with the title. I would say. Uh, AJ Styles, even though he has the uh, the little picture in the back of the poster, I think he's uh, definitely my choice for wrestler of the year. Oh, absolutely, he's mine as well. Like I, I was a fan of AJ's work, you know, up until he came right up to the WWE. I kind of lost touch with him when he was in Japan, um, but you know, once I kind of got into what he was doing again, and then I found that he was coming here. I mean, that was a uh, that was awesome. That Royal Rumble. I don't know how they're going to top that this year. Oh, no. Oh. 
I guess we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have yeah. to watch. Yeah, we'll have to watch, and maybe we'll have to hook up again and try and have a uh, a little review on it or something. For sure, for time. Sure. But kind of getting into it, I, I have, like I said, I, I have a whole bunch of stuff I want to ask you. Um, when exactly did you start getting into wrestling? What age were you, and what kind of started getting you into it? Well, I had I've been into wrestling uh, honestly my whole life. There's uh, little videos of me playing with uh, Ron Simmons uh, action figures and uh, Sting action figures when oh, I. Ron. Walk. Uh, my first memory, not even of wrestling, but of life. I can remember watching the TV when uh, Lex Luger slammed Yokozuna that day when he came in on the helicopter and everything. I was watching it with my dad, and I think that's why I got so into it. Is because my dad was a independent wrestler. All my uncles liked wrestling. They would always take me to shows and everything like that. So I was kind of like brought into it. Uh, pro wrestling author uh, John Hitchcock was my babysitter. I would watch matches with wow. uh, Bruce Mitchell from PW Torch. Uh, at his apartment, I was just uh, I don't. It was kind of it's kind of weird to think about wrestling not being there, especially as a kid. Wow, that's awesome. So you say your dad was an independent wrestler? For sure, he wrestled a little bit with uh, WCW. He did some job matches uh, with uh, Rick Steiner and Kevin Sullivan. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, job to the Varsity Club. Uh, I remember going to matches, uh, seeing him. Uh, he uh, wrestled Doink when I was a kid. Uh, he wrestled uh, uh, Ken Shamrock. When I was a kid, Tintanka a little bit. That's awesome. It's 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 a lost art. The um, call them job guys or whatever. I I always try to refer to them as enhancing talent, but it, it's kind of a lo- been a lost art. A, a good guy who that's uh, a real talent to me. Someone who can basically dedicate their their career to helping get guys over. For sure, for it's sure. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who can't find work in wrestling. So even if you're a job guy, you, that's the the name. It's you have a job. You're exactly. right there. You're in the ring, you know, putting over guys, even like someone like a Tatanka or Ken Shamrock or Rick Steiner. I mean, just some of the guys you named. I mean, that's just even me in the ring with them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, looking back. It was kind of weird. But like, you know, people would always talk about like my dad could beat up your dad. I'd be like, well, my dad actually does beat up. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, my dad actually does beat up people, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right on. Well, that's awesome. I didn't. uh, Have you ever talked about it on on the show before? I seen that. I know when you had. um. Uh, Bruce on on the first episode of the old one too. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was cool to kind of hear how you guys had that connection and um, you know to hear how you guys were used to watch matches and that kind of thing as well. I I try to just talk about like uh, maybe like with the product that we're watching. So a lot of times, unless it wants to come, unless it comes up, I don't really want to bring that. Yeah, my oh yeah, my dad used to be a wrestler. My dad used to be a wrestler, but uh, I'm looking to like maybe as uh, the old one two gets a, a little bit more of a following, maybe have him on, maybe review an old match of his, and then maybe some other things like that. That would be awesome. It's just, it just, I just think it's so cool. If uh, you know, I'm I'm not that good of a person. If I if my old man was a uh, an independent wrestler or something, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> so you're much better than me. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But, <laughs> but um, so I I was gonna ask what uh, do you remember the first time you saw wrestling? But you touched on that the, the first time you remember with Lex Luger body slamming Yokozuna. For sure, but that's I guess there's footage of me uh, watching wrestling, but that's the first memory I have of it. Like, uh, you know how like certain little kids would do animal sounds, like what does a dog say, what does a cat say? The, my parents taught me like what does Ric Flair say, how do you dance like Rick Rude, <laughs> things say. That is awesome. So, so can you give me your best uh, Ric Flair impersonation? Oh, well, it starts and stops with the woo. I just have to, uh, let's go with uh, just like, is that good? That's that, good. That's that perfect. Kind of, no, I'm from North Carolina. I know it should be a little bit better than <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, hey, that's 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 better than mine. So you're you're doing okay. I just I th- I think it's so cool. Like I mean, we we kind of um hooked up on Twitter months ago, and we've kind of just just shot the breeze back and forth. And I I didn't like I obviously I knew you were into wrestling, obviously, um, but I didn't know that kind of little backstory. So it's cool. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, so t- talking about kind of when you first got into it in that when you were younger and basically being brought up in a wrestling family, um, fans of wrestling and that kind of thing, as well as who was kind of like your first initial favorite wrestler that you had when you were a kid? Oh, uh, without a doubt sting, uh, just, I guess the bright colors, the fact that uh, all my uncles and everybody loved Ric Flair. And here was this guy who was good, who was taking on Ric Flair, taking on Vader and things like that. So, uh, he just represented something, uh, 
just he spoke to me at the time. It just came out bright colors, never cheated, never did anything bad. You know, rose above the odds. And then I could also talk shit to my uncles when he won. So <laughs> exactly, it's like, yeah. hey man, my guy beat your guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. That's awesome. Did um just kind of touching on something? Did did your um when you were younger? Because I can remember the moment when I kind of realized, you know, I was watching a wrestling match and I'm watching, and I I was 100 in. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I love it. But it wasn't until I was much older that I kind of realized, hey, that punch didn't really connect. Oh. Did, did you did your uh, did your dad ever have that chat with you or anything or was it just kind of like sacred you know you don't talk about it I think he kind of he let me believe up until the point where I think like kids at school were kind of saying like it's fake it's fake and then I would, I would kind of like stick up for it like protect like I didn't know the term but I would definitely I was definitely protecting the business mm-hmm. and my dad was just like it is fake he just kind of like told me straight yeah. up like he's just like uh this is this is how it is, but it's still fun. It's still exciting. Like, uh, so I kind of learned, like, I guess early, but like when I was watching the matches, like, I still believed. I was still like caught up in it, even though like I, it was told to me by a former wrestler. Like, I still kind of believed. It was kind of an interesting thing. But right around like I would say like middle school, yeah, I started watching, and like you would kind of see like you know guys get hit with uh, like hardcore matches and yeah. like a sledgehammer. Things like that. I was like, okay, well, this guy's face would be, you know, broken. He'd be he obliterated. Would... Yeah, yeah. So I think it was around middle school, around like, you know, like 2001 type of thing. I would just see little things like maybe the worm, Sky Duhati's worm kind of caught me off, smart me up because it was no one would lay down for that long. Just little things like that. I kind of broke me in. Yeah, when you're when you're a kid and you kind of get broken into it, it's like, oh, you know, I think I can remember um, – you know, especially when I was younger, I would I would do the same thing. I would defend it, you know, and I would like lock kids in holds and that kind of thing who would talk crap about it. Um, yeah. and, I mean, not saying you guys should do that or anything, but um, I just I just thought it was so interesting when we look back as kids and thinking like, man, like you'd have some people say to me, I had buddies when I was younger, obviously that were into it. And now they're like, you're still into that fake shit, seriously. And it's like, no, like there's some things in the wrestling business that, you know, speaking from a just like a lifelong fans perspective there are some things that are definitely not fake in the wrestling business you know if you uh the miles aren't fake the body slams aren't fake the time being away from your family and that kind of thing none of that shit's fake for sure um, i mean even in the uh, that uk championship tournament that just happened over the weekend i yes. mean guys are getting busted up guys were that was that was some uh they were uh, definitely working snug. Yeah, that was some brutal stuff. I just saw clips. My my biggest issue, Yeg, is the fact that I, I don't have the WWE Network. I can't get it right now where I live. So I am uh, I am just uh, I am heartbroken the fact that I have to watch all this wrestling after the fact. It is uh, it is not fun. Oh, uh, that that sucks, man. I can't yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, there's, ways, there's little ways around it if you uh, dive into the internet long enough, you know. Oh yeah, I can. I've had a couple, um, you know, live streams that were probably, let's say, uh, not legal. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But, but you got to do what you got to do to watch some wrestling. But um, do you remember kind of the first full length match? Like sitting here right now, the first full length match that you watched and you can kind of like really fully recollect. Was it the um, Was it the match you m- mentioned earlier with uh, Yokozuna and? Um, Lex Luger? Yeah, Lex Luger. I can't even remember drawing a blank on that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that was that was just like a little segment, but um, that's that's right. Yeah, I'm my um, my memory of that era of wrestling is not the greatest because <laughs> I've watched all of it quite after the fact. But um, I do remember. I can picture the the you know the segment in my head right now. I, I would say like when I was a little younger, I, I remember Raw would start at uh, nine o'clock, and uh, my parents would say like if I got my homework done and everything, I could stay up and I could watch up to the one two three kid match because I was really into the one two three kid at the time. Oh yeah. And yeah. one time he wrestled Razor Ramon, and it was just uh, an hour. And Raw was just an hour at that point, and it went the whole hour. So I remember. I think that match was probably. Uh, one that I remember, like fully watching, not just the pageantry, not the uh, like the spectacle, but like really invested into like each offensive and defensive maneuver. Absolutely, was that uh, was that was when kid uh, kid went over, right? I think in that match. 
Oh yeah, oh, was yeah. that that raw match? He he did the moonsault spot to finish. He took the bag of money and took off. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, that was great. And that, and also, I would say uh, another match that stands out in my brain. Uh, it was a uh, War Games from WCW Fall Brawl '96. It was in Winston Salem, North Carolina, is where like the NWO had the fake Sting. Oh yeah. And, okay. And WCW had like the real Sting, and I was there in attendance. And of course, all my uncles were giving me shit, saying Sting jumped in WO <laughs> there with my number one, you know, Sting finger. And then, of course, Sting comes out, you know, takes down the NWO, but then feels betrayed by you know Ric Flair. WCW leaves, starts the uh, the Crow gimmick and everything. Uh, and One Two Three Kid and Sting were definitely my favorites growing up. Yeah, One Two Three Kid. Um, I think I think that's a guy who he is so overlooked sometimes i think by a lot of a lot of people who when they think of that era and they think of even the attitude era obviously when he changed over to xbox and that kind of thing and even as six um yeah. i think sean waltman just as a performer is a guy who's very underrated i've always been a huge huge fan of his work i got a buddy who does the podcast with me sometimes and he is just he's deliberately an asshole we okay. call we call him the heel, and um, he he will always talk mad shit about Sean Waltman. But I mean, he loves his matches. It's so it's just uh, it's funny because he was always kind of a favorite of mine too back in the day. Oh yeah, even especially like the when he went back or when he went to WCW as six. Yeah, with his ladder match with Eddie Guerrero yes. and everything. That stuff was really good, and yeah, like you said, very underrated. Um, he like uh, I think maybe because he was uh, the NWO light heavyweight and. Uh, kind of maybe started getting maybe a little obnoxious toward the end with how he would come out and everything. People kind of, yeah, like you said, like overlooked how good he was in the ring, like bell to bell. I think he still holds up. I mean, he's in, he wrestled at King of Trios just this past year and tore it up. Absolutely. He's a guy who still to this day can go just as good as he could, if not even better. I I, I think just because now he's clean um, and that's obviously not knocking him or anything, but just, you know, now that he's clean in that, I I see him kind of almost being more more focused, you know, and it's just it's still cool to see. I, I would love to see him uh, see him live at some point. For sure, yeah. I guess yeah. Um, I might have seen him live as a kid, but yeah, I haven't seen him live in a good. It's been about fifteen years, I guess. So I would be pretty interested. Uh, another guy from that era, uh, Billy Gunn, who's yes. been surprising me a lot lately. He's uh in New Japan now. Did the World Tag League tournament. And he's been really impressing me. I don't know how old he is. He's definitely over forty, but he looks in great shape, training, helping the uh, the young lions over there in New Japan. So um, that's another guy I think that's kind of overlooked. He definitely is. I mean, he, he's a guy who. Um, it's funny. It's a quick story. We we have um, near where I live here. There's this uh, big fair that happens once a year, and the one year they had some pro wrestling at the fair, and I remember that was like. I think it was I was in grade nine or grade ten, so I was like way into wrestling. At that point, I was convinced I was going to be a wrestler and so forth. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and I remember the big guy who they were selling the whole event with was Billy Gunn. And I remember going like, "This is Billy Gunn. Like, this is WWF guy." You know, um, well, obviously WWE at the time. But and I was just remember freaking out, and I remember being there. And seeing him come out, like literally a ring that's in the middle of like a fairground, and watching him work. And I mean, he was working like he was at Madison Square Garden. You know, it was just, uh, he was incredible. And I, afterwards, I got the chance to talk to him for a little bit, and he was just the coolest dude in the world, you know? So I, I have a lot of respect for Billy Gunn in that regard. For sure, especially now that guys are smaller. He's definitely standing out with his size. Absolutely. I can remember a. A match, I think it was it was a six man tag, and it was Billy Gunn, uh, Albert, and I want to say Big Show, and I can't recall who they were against, but it was during his the one the you know the one Billy Gunn phase, and there was a spot I can remember it was Big Show, Albert, and Billy Gunn, and they had all three of their guys up in like press slams, and I remember thinking like oh yeah Albert and Big Show you know that's not that's their everyday shit that they do, but then to see Billy Gunn hoist up a guy on the same level as Big Show and Albert kind of made me realize, like, holy crap, he's a big dude. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys like that. I know uh, Buff Bagwell's another one who is uh, maybe overlooked. I mean, uh, he does he did the uh, blockbuster. Now you see everyone do, doing the blockbuster, like Seth Rollins. I know uh, Cassius Ono in NXT is doing the standing blockbuster now. But I met him uh, a while ago, and he was – super cool dude as well so yeah there's 
I think there there's must be something to uh, maybe being overlooked that like humbles you a little bit to where you can still go, you can still learn and work in into your forties and fifties. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I I think I, I just tried to look it up Billy Gunn's age, but I I think he's in his late forties. I want to say, but it's just still the fact that he can go. I mean, that's uh, that's incredible. I haven't seen any of his work in Japan yet, but I'll definitely have to check it out. For sure, he was on a he he did the uh, battle royal for Wrestle Kingdom, and him and Michael Elgin uh, went went at it for a little bit, and they tore it up right right there right at the beginning of Wrestle Kingdom. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, all, all I've seen is the um, clips of the Kenny Omega match. I haven't even been able to watch that yet. I need to, I need to just set aside like a a week to just watch wrestling and catch up because <laughs> oh. I am I am way too far behind right now. <laughs> you, you definitely got to watch the Wrestle Kingdom. Like, not I know Okada and Kenny Omega are getting a lot of praise, which they should. But that the whole like second half of that card is beyond phenomenal. Like, uh, Goto and Shibata had. One of the best matches, I think, at least of the last few years. Uh, and that's just like not even talked about because the, the whole show is so good. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I've heard good things about the show from all my wrestling buddies and that. And um, it's just a matter of having to sit down and watch it. But those, you know, those New Japan guys, I mean, they go like that company is on fire. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how you see all these ties with it. Like I know CMLL is working with them in Mexico, Ring of Honor, um, Revolution Pro in uh, in the UK. So it seems like, I mean, definitely they're they have a ways to go to get to what the WWE is is at, and especially if they keep growing the way they're growing with the network. But it's a solid number two promotion in the world, and definitely a different product, uh, a more like what we were saying is like hard hitting style, which uh, I definitely enjoy. Um, so if you're looking for more wrestling, definitely go toward New Japan Pro Wrestling. Absolutely. I've always kind of been a fan of the, um, kind of that, I guess, for lack of a better term, that kind of more strong style, um, not necessarily stiff, but that strong style where you watch some guys, some of those Japanese guys go at it with each other and you're just like, holy shit, does he owe him money or something? Like, damn, (laughs) it's, uh, it's rough sometimes because I've always been a fan of, um, I'm the type of wrestling fan who I'll I'll sit and watch, you know, uh, like if there's a little spot of chain wrestling, like some real good solid chain wrestling in a match, that's my like bread and butter. Like I love that. I love that stuff. Um, obviously, I love a good story in that as well, but that's kind of always been more my forte. The um, the moves and kind of the art of performing in the ring as a professional wrestler, the maneuvers, and obviously as entertainment. For sure, yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people get swept up in the uh, maybe the sports entertainment aspect of those kinds of stories, where like you know uh, the the family, the McMahon family struggle and everything. They forget that like in the ring, there's still a story being told, like, uh, and it goes beyond languages. Like, if you know someone's been working the arm the whole match, and then you get slammed on that arm, you then know that that arm is out, and then that affects the rest of the match. There's still a little bit of story within every movement. I think, in at least in a good match. Absolutely, I know that. Um, when it was the, it was just kind of the funniest thing when when AJ Styles first came in, I had uh, I had real heat with him because he was using his half crusher to finish off guys, but he wasn't working on the leg the entire match. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just obviously joking, but I used to just say to my, I turn and say to my buddy like, ah, he's exposing the business. What the hell? Um, <laughs> it's not working on the leg, but I think it's a lost art. I always um, I always say to guys uh, like you know, sometimes just watching a match where you know, they're, they're working on a body part and you're feeling sympathy for that, for whoever the opponent is. And that's really what you you can tell a story that way. You don't need a whole bunch of high spots and crazy double backflip moonsaults. As much as I do like that kind of stuff, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I, I've always been more a fan of that kind of storytelling. For sure. For sure. And uh, I was listening to a, a shoot interview a few uh, months ago where they were talking to Matt Seidel and he was talking about how there, there's like a, uh, like a gap with uh, with the passing of like you know Eddie and like Chris Benoit and maybe like even like Edge retiring early and things like that where there's like there's like a, a generation of knowledge that's kind of gone and um, I think that might have it's going to take some maybe like washing of tapes and like mixing and matching of international talent to like kind of bring it back and like get people to understand the psychology of it now. Cause even with NXT and the performance center being what it is, they're still like producing guys. I'm not trying to uh, knock them or knock anyone specifically, but like 
like you know, like a Baron Corbin, really, even after all that training, really, there's something missing there. There's something that is not he's not quite getting. I don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but I think uh, if maybe they get like like I know guys like Shawn Michaels are going back to the Performance Center. Edge is still working with the company. Uh, they need to really like get these guys into the Performance Center and teach them not just how to execute the moves, but because that is what brings people together. I mean, the best wrestlers. And that we know of as the best wrestlers, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, The, the Rock. I mean, they can't do a thousand moves, but they can do the moves that can tell the story in the ring. Exactly. That's all you need. Like, even someone like a Baron Corbin, I mean, honestly, Corbin's one of my favorite guys. I, I couldn't tell you exactly why. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because he's just like, I know he's a heavy metal guy. He's got some cool shit he does, but I know exactly what you're saying by there's just there's something missing. You know, they were kind of throwing him in the world title picture, and I was like, whoa, 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 back up, back up. Like, he's not there yet. Um, I think it's, I think Stone Cold said it where he said, you know, he's out there looking around, waiting for someone to tell him what to do. Um, and I think, you know, that might even be the case. Even sometimes when he cuts a promo, you know, it's like it, there's just something, there's something in his personality that's missing. Um, kind of the route they've been going with him, with him kind of just being more of just a blatant asshole. Yeah, I th- I th- I feel like they're getting there, but I think you're right. Where you know he might need to take a step back and get someone like a Shawn Michaels to just kind of go, "Hey, kid, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's how you do this. Here's how you win a crowd over. Here's how you, you know, um, maybe give sympathy to a babyface or something like. Kind of learn that stuff a little bit more than what he does know how to do. Maybe that'll help. I think. I think. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. Throwing him into the world title picture was way too quick um, because, I mean, when he had a match w- with, uh, with the, I forget his name, Kalisto, and all of a sudden he's wrestling John Cena. Like, there needs to be a little bit of a, a, a few more rungs on that ladder. Yes. Did you did you see their uh, their last match there, last, pay- last pay-per-view the two, that the two of them had, that hardcore match? Uh, Kalisto and uh, Corbin? Yeah. Uh, I, I missed it. I missed it. Okay. That was a good match. Um I know that um, a lot of people kind of not don't hate on Corbin, but like he he definitely has improved a lot, and you saw it in that match. Like they told a really good story in that match. I, I'm definitely a fan of Kalisto. I, uh, a lot of a lot of times his matches get uh, like swept under the rug a little bit, but I thought he kind of had a good match against Alberto Del Rio oh, yeah. a few months ago, and then even in the Ryback match at Rumble or at Mania, where people were coming into the seats, and Ryback is always talking about how awful it was because. No one was sitting down. I thought even with all the barriers they had to overcome, they still pulled off a great match. I think there's a lot of a lot you can tell with the dynamic and play with him being such a small, quick guy. Absolutely, he brings that he brings that to the table where he'll go against a guy who maybe is a little bit more of a um, kind of a slower, lumbering guy, but he makes it work and he he puts the work in. He's a he's a tremendous talent. I'm hoping that they um, kind of keep keep giving him a little bit of a, a little bit of a rub, but it. it We'll have to see what happens. I'm hoping they don't just shove him down to the cruiserweights and call it a day because he's a. Uh, considering that they've built him up, giving him the U.S. title and that, I feel like they should kind of keep, kind of keep that momentum going with him. Yeah, for sure. Have you been watching the uh, the cruiserweights? A little bit. Um, I've been, um, like I said, because I I try to everything that I try to catch, I have to watch kind of after the fact, so sometimes like links don't work and that kind of thing, but from what I've seen of the Cruiserweights, I mean, obviously I saw the Cruiserweight Classic, um, and that was that was some of the best wrestling I've seen in years. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah, that was great stuff. And um, I know that uh, the match between, what what did you think of the match, just because we're talking about the Cruiserweights, um, during the Cruiserweight Classic, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had a classic match, what did you think of that match? Oh, I thought it was amazing, I mean, they played a, a little bit into a they were able to uh, take the stories that they were using on NXT, like the injury and everything, and bring it to the classic. I think that helped a lot with it. Um, but those guys have been tearing it up in the Indies for years. They've always said they wanted one shot. They got that one. Uh, they got a shot, not necessarily their one shot, and they tore it up. I really enjoyed that match. I thought uh, uh, Mustafa Ali was really good in the tournament. Of course, Kota Ibushi. Um, Cedric Alexander, I've been seeing him wrestle for years, being from North Carolina, and I thought he tore it up in that tournament. I really just enjoyed that whole tournament, top to bottom. Like I, I can't think of a bad match in that whole thing, in that whole show. 
Yeah, that was a great, great, great tournament. That whole thing. For sure, yeah. But I never heard of Mustafa Ali before that before that tournament, and seeing him wrestle for the first time, he I feel like he was uh, a surprise standout to me for sure. He was. He was great. There yeah. was a there was a there was a couple of guys that were just great. Um, but kind of getting back into it, did um did you ever have a desire? Because I, I think most at some point most wrestling fans. I mean, I know I did. Um, did you ever have kind of a desire to get in the ring and give it a shot as far as like working and that kind of thing in the ring? I think, yeah, I was, uh, when I was younger, when I was like maybe a uh, middle school and everything, I definitely thought I was just going to be a pro wrestler. Like it wasn't like maybe one day or anything. I thought like, that's, you know, that's what I know is what I've been focusing on. But, uh, because of that, I guess I got into sports and everything. I played basketball, ran track. And then kind of in high school, I was ran cross country and track seriously, you know, kind of seriously. So by when I was like 18, 19, I was like, no, I'm just going to kind of stick with, you know, running kind of more of a, a, you know, something I'm used to, something I've already competed in instead of uh, moving up. And plus, I'm kind of a, I'm not uh, trying to take away from any cruiserweights, any people from 205 Live, but I am a bit of a smaller guy. So I knew it would be uh, maybe a harder to harder to do it'd be trickier for someone who's a yeah like i said like a smaller guy like i know me personally the second i took my first bump i was uh i was out <laughs> i just said oh, okay this is uh this isn't as fun as it looks on tv sometimes me and uh my dad would like mess around a little bit he tossed me around and i think uh he would one time threw me on the like try to press slam me on his bed and he slammed me so hard i bounced up off the bed and then onto the floor and i think maybe maybe that might have uh Knock some sense into me. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is you sold it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a little snug. He, he surprised. He was, me. he was a little snug, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, so back in like middle school and that when you were a kid, did did you kind of already have your first gimmick figured out and your name and your finish and all that already figured out? Oh, uh, let's. Oh man, um, I was de- I definitely gravitated when I was really young. I definitely gravitated towards like you know like paint your face and doing this thing. I think I had this gimmick called a. Uh, the black ninja where I was pretty much just a ninja, but that was, that was where I went. I don't really, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, uh, that was kind of it. I was a black, black ninja. I don't know. <laughs> the black ninja. That's a, that's a solid gimmick. You know, you I, know could, I could, I could, uh, I could uh, hear that yes, turning, on, turning on, you know, WCW and, uh, you know, see something like that. Uh, I'd be like, Oh cool. The black ninja right on, you know, yeah, like hiding in the shadows a little bit coming out. Yeah, like, you know, definitely with chops and everything. <laughs> hey, what the hell? That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Black did, did, you have, did you have a, a gimmick set up or anything like that? Uh, I mean, of course, back in the day. Because um, I actually uh, got into wrestling mostly through video games at first, actually, to be honest with you. Um, parents watched it when I was younger and that, and I remember it. But uh, I played some video games of it when I was uh, a kid. So obviously I was like, you know, okay, well, I need a name. So I, I was like, I need, I need, I've always been the gimmick guy in the sense of, I need like a, uh, um, like, a, okay, here comes, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, here comes Greg the Hammer Valentine, you know, like I always was like, I need that kind of first name in front of my name. So when I heard uh, the hammer, I was like, yeah, when I was like, you know, eight years old, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the hammer. <laughs> oh, I like it. The <laughs> hammer yeah, the hammer, TJ Harder or whatever it was, and uh, and that was my gimmick. And you know, I had I had the outfit done up and everything. It was it was crazy. It was not good. Um, <laughs> was, was the hammer like in the in the Creator Pro uh, of these video games? Oh yeah, he he was for a long time, and then I kind of retired the gimmick a little bit. Um, I had to. It was it, it got to uh, it was two nineties. You know, then I, then I then I was uh, the Iceman. Because nice. that was a that was a nickname I was given in high school during the wrestling uh, kind of like the amateur wrestling thing we did for a little bit there. I was given the nickname kind of as a joke, and it just stuck. <laughs> so nice, I had nice. to change the gimmick, but my my finish has always been the same though. I've always done the cutter. Nice. That's, 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 I mean, that's a good go to, you know. Yeah, that's always my finish. So did did you have a finish picked out, or have you kind of always been a? Oh, I think I was definitely coming off the top. I was definitely a kid who was uh, jumping off of the bookshelves, off of my bed, and everything onto pillows and things like that, uh, cutting the wind out of me. Uh, 
definitely was a, a big fan of Rey Mysterio, big fan of Jeff Hardy as I, you know, you know, progressed a little older. So definitely was jumping off a lot of bookshelves. So I think I would have to have gone to the top rope for my finisher. Yeah, and then just anything off the top rope basically is solid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything, just uh, maybe moonsault. I know uh, Kidman at the time was killing it, so I probably would have done a shooting star. That's always a good, that's all. That's a solid top rope maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> shooting star press. The Black Ninja with a shooting star press. Like, I can see it. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, can, I can hear them calling it right now. I Like, it's just, uh, it's a done deal on that. I guess, let's say hypothetically here for a second that you have a business, you're in a band, you're a podcaster like me, you have a YouTube show, and you need some awesome new merch, business cards, logos, even maybe some t-shirts done up. Well, you need to look no further than my man, Mr. Jason Reese, over at Jaybird Digital Arts. Starting right now on this podcast today, Jason is offering a special 10% off discount just for listeners of The Harder Show when you mention The Harder Show upon contacting him. But what exactly does he do? Well, Jason does t-shirts, posters, album design, tickets, photo manipulation, you guys still with me advertising business stationery mailers brochures fine art <gasps> and anything else you can imagine jay bridges arts can create it jason has done all of the t-shirts logos banners and all social media stuff for both the harder show and for harder guitar services so i can promise that you will love and be inspired by what jason comes up with you can contact him on the web at www.jaybird that's j-a-y-b-i-r-d digital arts com or you can search for him on facebook and instagram under the jaybird digital arts handle Search hashtag Jaybird Digital Arts for a look at all of his awesome and unique work. So you watched a little bit of WCW and that kind of thing back in the day. What was kind of your go-to show when you first started kind of like really getting into wrestling and that kind of thing? What was your like your go-to show? Oh, well, I mean, I would always uh, watch Monday Night Nitro and then kind of like, like maybe commercials watch for all so as a kid i was definitely yeah wcw uh when they first started doing like the nwo thing and of course when scene came out but uh definitely flipping back and forth still keeping up with raw but then kind of when um the rock became the corporate champion over around like 98 i was uh slowly switching over to wwe and then by the time like 99 2000 i was barely watching uh WCW I was watching all Monday Night Raw so there was like a little switch much like like the ratings like if you've seen Monday Night Wars that's kind of how my viewership happened like I watched WCW and then WWF started slowly getting better and better with like Stone Cold and McMahon and Stone Cold and The Rock and then of course the guys were just jumping over left and right like Chris Jericho left and you know eventually like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Saturn, D. Malenko all just jumped over at once and that's when I kind of just gave up on WCW, sadly enough. Yeah, once once kind of that, um, I would always hear guys talk about, because unfortunately, you know, back in the 1990s and 2000s, kind of that era, I was like seven. Um, yeah. So I don't have the greatest recollection of it. But um, I would always, always hear guys talk about how they tune in to like, say, the first little bit of Nitro to watch guys you mentioned, like Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, kind of that cruiserweight division and the luchadors do their thing. And then once you got into the main event, kind of they they switch it over to WWF because the um you know the kind of that that mid card was so much better than WWF's mid card back in that time period. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, Monday Night Nitro uh, started at eight, and I remember Raw didn't start till nine. So all the good stuff, like yeah, you'd see like Lucha six man tags, like Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero. I mean, even like. Uh, like older like WCW stars like I, I remember uh, like Mr. Wonderful wrestling yeah, a lot Paul yeah Paul Orndorff wrestling a lot in the uh the first hour and stuff like that so it was definitely the show to watch but then as it went on it kind of drug and they they had a great idea with the NWO but they really didn't know how to capitalize on it like WCW never really beat the nwo like the nwo got all convoluted split up joined back together again and then kind of dismantled so the as a wcw fan you got shown like right in front of your face why wcw wasn't good exactly it was that you know oh well you know the nwo beats everybody you know yeah. and i, th- I think gold uh, not goldberg i think kevin nash said it best um he said you know like once um basically once you beat everybody Someone like ending Goldberg's streak. Once that happened, well, now Goldberg's just like everybody else. 
So, and once you're like everybody else, once everyone joined the NWO, you know, everyone might as well just go home because you're all the same. But at the yeah. same time, that's what happens when, you know, Kevin Nash has the book for most of his career in WCW. Um, <laughs> it's just what happens sometimes. For sure. I mean, you don't, uh, you know, don't uh, give the, the uh, inmates the keys to the asylum, you know. Exactly. I, I'm pretty sure that's a quote. He, I, I, I like, I'm obsessed with watching Kevin Nash shoot interviews and stuff. I have no idea why. I just, I just love listening to Kevin Nash talk. Um, sure. And I'm pretty sure he said that quote. Like, you know, they gave the inmates the keys to the asylum, and <laughs> how was it? Like, just done. Um, but talking about like kind of that that era of wrestling, um. Have you kind of had a favorite era as far as kind of the, I guess the golden age, um, they they all have different terms, the golden age, like the attitude era, kind of the ruthless aggression era. And then I guess the, I know Triple H said the reality era once in an interview and I was like, Oh God, but some kind of the more modern era. He said it. Yeah. Notice he said it once. I'm sure a lot of people who kind of put a stop to that. Yeah. I was like, no. Not the reality era. Anything but that. Like it's. Uh, I get where he's come from, but for the love of God, no. <laughs> Just don't do it. As but as far as uh, I, I definitely love the attitude era, like everyone else. So like I'm a I'm a sucker for anybody who was wrestling in WCW from like '96 to '98, WWE from like '98 to 2000. But uh, I uh, toward high school, I started getting like tapes. Uh, our DVDs from my uncles and everything with Ring of Honor and stuff. So like, I would say, like, I was watching it in 2004 and 2005, but, like, 2002 to, like, 2007 like, Ring of Honor stuff is really stands out in my mind. I really enjoy that stuff. Uh, it was the first taste of, like, uh, like the indies that I could just watch and kind of – it wasn't week to week. It was, like, just – but that was kind of the fun of it. it was, like, hunting down these DVDs, like, learning who had them, like, who I could get them from. And uh, learning, finding out about like uh, CM Punk, Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Cole Cabana. Yeah, uh, all, all those guys. Like the good indie wrestling, not like, you know, with all due respect to, you know, Bob's wrestling, uh, you know, sure. <laughs> the good, good indies, you know. Yeah, and then uh, that, so that era really stands out to me. So um, that's why I got Ricky Reyes on my podcast. I know that he's in Lucha Underground now, but I really wanted to ask him about it, what it was like in Ring of Honor because. That was when like ECW went under, WCW went under. So there was just like this void, uh, and TNA had yet to start because Ring of Honor started a little bit before TNA. So there's this void. So literally all top indie talent like would just flood into this one promotion, and it was uh, definitely didn't have a lot of production value behind it. But it was some of the best wrestling. I I'll, still to this day it has a you know great spot in my heart. Exactly, and that was the that was kind of the great thing about indies like Ring of Honor and that, like where you know they don't pay as much attention to, you know, they don't have the budget of WWE. So like, hey, we can't compete with WWE in that regard. So what can we do to compete with them? Well, we've got this amazing in ring talent. Let's just showcase that. For sure, for sure. Um, but kind of touching on the attitude area real quick here. Did um, were you an Austin guy or a Rock guy? Oh, I was definitely an Austin. I was definitely an Austin guy. Um, I've for some reason, I've always been uh, maybe questioned authority, like uh, a little bit of a troublemaker in school, yeah. like kind of uh, gravitated toward like punk rock and everything. So this uh, this one this one guy that would just beat his boss's ass was just awesome to me. So you were walking around back in the day, you know, flipping your teachers off and giving them stunners. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I wasn't that ballsy, but I was definitely daydreaming about doing stuff like that for sure. Oh, well, you know, it's, I think we all would daydream about it once in a while. Um, would you say that there's, there's been talks before of, um, someone like a Chris Jericho who has, you know, blatantly said before that he thinks that in some regards, you know, as great as the attitude era was, there were parts of it that were kind of overrated as a whole. Would you say there's any truth to that as far as like say gimmicks like meat and PMS for example? Uh, I think those are definitely didn't stand the test of time, but definitely for that time, I think they needed to be done. And like there needed to be something like pushing because uh, like the internet wasn't as big; it was cable TV. So like to push like there was there were boundaries set. So like you there was someone literally their job was to censor the things that happened on TV. So if you could like push those boundaries, it felt edgy. But like now I feel like with the internet out where 
there's not a real edge to anything. You could really probably watch whatever the hell, like the weird, creepy, violent stuff you want. So to push, to act like something's edgy now is kind of just comes across cheesy. So I feel like the stuff they were doing then was definitely for the time, but, uh, uh, and shouldn't be redone. So I definitely understand what he's saying. Uh, but uh, it was good for the time. It worked for the time. I can't really uh, – it's hard to take it. Once you take it out of that time period, it falls apart. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like I, th- I think that's more what he was touching on. Like people, people regard the Attitude Era being like the best era in all of wrestling. And But then he says, well, hang on a minute. Like you want, you know, me going to the ring, having a fight with the big boss man. And he's, you know, PMS put a uh, uh, a pill in his water that gave him a boner. Yeah, and then the like, whole match, he's fighting with a boner, and then Bossman hits him with his nightstick in it to end the match. Like, come on, guys! Like, you know, it's. But that was just that's a small part of the Attitude Era. But I just, I always think that's funny, um, the fact that someone who was such a big part of the Attitude Era kind of, um, not talk down to it, but just he's kind of like, really, guys, like you really want to go back to that, <laughs> you know? I can see how it's frustrating for someone like him, especially because he he lived it. It was, uh, and he was in WCW, so it was a pretty frustrating time for him. And then, of course, he jumped over, but. That was 20 years ago. So for the last 20 years, he's been trying to show up this thing that, he, in his mind, really wasn't that good in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. so I can see I see how maybe the modern wrestler is going to kind of uh, yeah look look down on the Attitude Era because the things they're doing now athletically are trumping it. And uh, even when they want to go back, like they talk about going back to this older style, they're going way back to like like Luthez kind of style. So I think. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, maybe the storylines of the Attitude Era aren't going to be uh, looked at as as fondly as as some of the characters, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, would you personally like to see kind of WWE go back to a more um, not an not like an Attitude Era, but like kind of like a TV fourteen style programming? Uh, I want them to go back to more of a where it doesn't look like a, a like maybe a concert where it feels more like a sport. Exactly. I think that's what's going to bring people in. I think, uh, and if if it's a sport like football, I feel like football is maybe pretty violent. You know, like maybe MMA is pretty. That would be TV fourteen. So they could do something like that. But like us, like with the acrobatics and things like that, like gymnastics or like maybe even a basketball, that could be you know PG or even like you know G rated stuff. So I think the there's too much emphasis put on the rating. I feel like a good story is a good story. But what's going to bring people in is making is that live, even though it is predetermined, but giving it the big fight feel that sports, like a Final Four of the NCAA tournament, Super Bowl, like like a championship match is held. So like I have to get to this event and not a, a TV show. A show exactly like um, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of something like like kind of how the cruiserweight classic felt. Where it was like the way they were present, it was presented. It was almost more presented as a sporting event than as like a show. Sure, yeah, like giving stats about like height discrepancies, weight discrepancies, um, how long someone's been in it is going to sweep someone in just as much or even more. I would say than finding out like, oh, he you know kissed his girlfriend backstage, like. That stuff is like what people kind of mock about wrestling, but people don't really, even though they know it's uh, predetermined, fake, whatever. I think if you like, if you have the announcer saying this guy is a little bit taller, his reach is a little longer, and then you have the ref check their boots and everything, like little things like that don't have to be spoken about. But it's like the details of like, oh, the ref is there to check the boots, so that that puts it subconsciously in your head that that's why, like, that's why the ref is there. So I think they could just go back to doing little details like that, and that will slowly bring people in and uh, not feel like they're getting uh, made fun of by the people who are putting it together. Exactly. Like, kind of even, even just doing, like, a tale of tape. You know, I used to love when they would do that in big matches. You know, they'd, oh, here's the Undertaker's reach on Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar has the weight advantage, but Taker has this. And it's like they used to do that, and it, it was always so cool to see. For sure, about that back in the uh, the UK tournament too. That was oh, did nice. they? Awesome. Oh yeah, awesome. See, I feel like slowly, you know, uh, Triple H is kind of wanting to go that route. I can I I can sense it just seeing all this stuff that he's doing. It's, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future, where kind of where the product is going to go. But 
has there ever been a moment as a wrestling fan that you can kind of recall that legit gave you goosebumps or like made you cry because it was such, uh, even if it was a sad moment in the ring or whatever, something that was just so overwhelmingly emotional that happened, obviously aside from the obvious, like someone passing away or something. Uh, I would definitely say um, WrestleMania 30. Like uh, I, I mentioned earlier when uh, Ring of Honor is definitely um, that the time period when uh, Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan was coming up. It was kind of like I strangely just like followed his career from like Ring of Honor to the little NXT little stint he had. And then just, I mean, him getting cheered and cheered and cheered is like validating like the style of wrestling I like, the things that I like about wrestling, and to have him beat like Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, uh, that would just, I mean, that storyline definitely spoke to me as a fan for sure. WrestleMania 30, my favorite WrestleMania because of just that one show long storyline they had. Absolutely. That was an amazing moment having Daniel Bryan, you know, holding up those titles at the end of that WrestleMania. That was just, uh, that was incredible. Even hugging uh, Connor at the end there—that's yeah. def- definitely tearjerker type oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. That whole thing was just—that uh, breaks my heart even still. Whenever I see that clip of it, because it'll get shared on Facebook whatever once in a while, and I'm like, no, I can't relive that. Like, oh, just, yeah. uh, I've watched that one one time. I've recommended it a bunch, but I've only watched it like once or twice. Yeah, that's that's something that you know. It, if, if for anyone who talks crap about the wrestling business or whatever, like that's something that they can do for a kid like Connor. Um, that they can never, you know, that can never be taken away from Daniel Bryan either. The fact that he, you know, made that kid, he made him so happy just to be there, and he went and hugged him and thanked him for helping him do like that was just incredible. That was, uh, you know, that was why I was so sad when he had to retire earlier last year. Yeah, that was pretty pretty awful, and uh, I heard a lot of things like uh, how people were trying to like say well, if he left the WWE, he would still be able to wrestle, but. I mean, seeing guys, I mean, even like Kurt Angle, like has to, sometimes I heard has to be in a wheelchair through, through airports and things like that now. So, um, it's, uh, sad, but definitely something that needs to be done. Uh, a lot of wrestlers are, even though I, I enjoy the, uh, the spectacle of seeing a really old wrestler, an old timer get out there, a legend get out there, but at the same time, um, it's, it, it's better to have, be a, a, an able-bodied person and not necessarily a good wrestler at times. Absolutely. Like I, I always talk about it, um, like safety in wrestling, so to speak. And, you know, having a a performer who's amazing at what they do in this, but they're also like, they're safe. They're not going to hurt anybody. And knowing when a time to kind of hang it up, you know, someone like a Daniel Bryan, who he could easily leave the WWE and go somewhere else and work. But, He's choosing to not do that. He's choosing to be healthy and for his family and that. And I think that's a very courageous and honorable thing that he did. Um, I mean, obviously, his retirement speech, that was like, uh, that was insane for me. What what got me with that whole thing? I did a podcast on it, like, I think it was like episode like five uh, <laughs> I did on it. Um, what got me was, uh, everyone was, I was crying the whole time. But what got me was when he was hugging all the uh, the commentators. And he goes to Michael Cole and he hugs Michael Cole. And all I hear is Michael Cole kind of say off away from his microphone. And he's just like, I love you, kid. And I just started, I don't know why. I just started bawling my eyes out. I was like, ah, Michael Cole. <laughs> it's, it's funny that Michael Cole is uh, the one that does it to you, man. Sometimes his commentary can bring me to tears in a completely yeah. different way. Oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, just, that's why I thought it was so funny. The fact that Michael Cole was kind of the, the tearjerker for me. I was like, really? Out of everybody, but I digress. Um, but kind of speaking of people retiring, and obviously, like when someone passes away or whatever, it's it's a tragic thing. And obviously, as we sit here, um, yesterday it was um, became publicly known that WWE Hall of Famer Jimmy Superfly Snooker passed away. Um, I mean, it's kind of tragic how that whole thing went. Obviously, he had a lengthy battle. Um, with health issues and that kind of thing. Um, he had just had his, uh, you know, the murder charges drop against him and everything. Regardless of what happened in his personal life or whatever, I'm not one to speculate on that kind of shit, but given that you've been like a lifelong wrestling fan in that, do you do you have any recollections of um, kind of just of Jimmy Snuka and of um, 
seeing footage of him over the years, like, you know, the time when he came off the cage, that famous footage that you see all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely, I'm a little too young to remember him actually at his heyday. But, uh, I mean, YouTube is great for stuff like that. And uh, when I was growing up, just you would just hear all these wrestlers talk about it. Like, that's the reason they started. I mean, Mick Foley said, I mean, gives a lot of credit to why he got into the ring to Jimmy Jimmy Superfly Snoke. And I definitely love Mick Foley and all this, the stuff he's done over the years. So, I mean, just uh, the the trickle-down effect of what Jimmy Superfly Snoke did definitely uh, is – I, I I saw that growing up and even now, so it's pretty awesome to see. I mean, uh, he's had a few few uh, you know sons and daughters in the WWE and stuff. I hope they're doing all right uh, with the news and everything. But yeah, it's 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 that's a, a sad loss. Absolutely, he's a guy who you know like like you touched on. Like obviously, we were too young to see him in his heyday. But even when he came back at Rus- I can't remember the WrestleMania, but um, he came back and had a match with uh, with Jericho. It was him, Roddy Piper, and um, uh, oh my god, uh, Steamboat. And oh, they had yeah. that they had that little. Even though I think Jimmy Snooker came in and literally wrestled for five seconds and did. Uh, a splash or something you know it was just cool to see the fact that here's this legendary guy who you know i've seen that footage a hundred times of him coming off the cage you know and um him cutting his crazy promos that made absolutely no freaking sense at all um you know, you know it, it's just funny a, a guy who you know we've kind of seen the, i guess like you said you got the, the kind of the, the trickle down effect to guys like mick foley and that kind of thing yeah for sure uh so definitely a a, a a bad like a, a loss for sure but it's good that these wrestlers nowadays are passing away at a, a an older age instead of a very younger age because of drug use and things like that so it's definitely it says a lot that these wrestlers are passing away now at a, a, a you know an older age which is pretty good it's good for the business as a whole absolutely can 100% agree with that um kind of touching on that too you you were watching wrestling um around like they say 2005 regularly right that was yeah for sure for sure totally so do you remember um the reason I'm bringing this up is because like I can remember this vividly I've never really talked about this on the podcast but um do you remember when Eddie Guerrero passed away um I remember hearing my my dad told me I remember my dad told me that he he had a heart attack and uh, little things like that. I remember and then I remember that raw where they were all out there and it wasn't like today where they they all kind of they've kind of uh watered down when they all come out to the top of the ramp but back then it was like a big deal it was something like a death like I think it's the last time I remember it happening was when Owen Hart passed away. Yeah. So I remember everyone at the ramp and I just remember hearing a uh, just like the stories, the uh, the testimonials they did for Raw that night. Yeah, it was a really just a, a thing, you know, the tolling of the bell ten times. It's such a sacred thing in the business. Um, all the testimonials and that, I mean, I can remember the um, the hardest two for me was the one, I mean, obviously Ray's was heartfelt and beautiful, but um, I'm a huge Dean Malenko fan. And, um, you know, hearing Dean Malenko talk about him and um, hearing Benoit, and seeing Benoit talking about him on air, just openly weeping at the end of it was just, uh, that was just, uh, just brutal. Something that, um, I mean, obviously I think we can both agree Guerrero was definitely one of the greatest who ever stepped in the ring. Um, and it's just funny how, how when something like this happens, you know, um, like I'm sure, you know, the next little while everyone's gonna be like, Oh, Jimmy Snooker, like, Everyone's going to be talking about him now for a while, but it's, it's just how when things like that happen, um, it can go one of two ways. Either someone kind of gets forgotten or someone gets remembered in such a high regard. Um, but kind of a uh, a controversial thing I wanted to ask your opinion on because it's something that I think most wrestling fans have an opinion on. Mentioning his name just a, a couple seconds ago, Chris Benoit. Um, obviously, understandably, he's a name that's kind of been stricken from history. Obviously, in no way, shape, or form, I ever, you know, put over the horrific and disgusting thing that he did, and that's that's its own conversation. But as a as a wrestling fan, were you a fan of Chris Benoit? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, 
I wasn't a big fan of uh, like we were saying of WCW when he won the world title and everything, but mm-hmm. I definitely uh, remember when I was watching when I would go back and watch Monday Night Nitro and things like that. Uh, he was definitely the main reason I was flipping back. Yeah, going back even to uh, talk about Jimmy Superfly Slicker jumping off the top of the cage. I remember when he won the uh, world title. That's how he won it. Chris Benoit jumping off the top of the cage to win the WCW title. He did drop it to jump to WWF like a week later, but huge uh, Chris Benoit fan. When he was uh, with uh, the Four Horsemen, uh, him, Pillman, uh, Arn Anderson, and Flair, amazing stuff. And then all the way to WrestleMania 20 when he had the belt and everything. I just remember uh, just his style, how he was uh, always not the definitely not the biggest, but he was definitely going to go – the hardest uh just yeah amazing amazing talent in the ring but i with that said i do think he it's it's the right thing for the company to do to erase him from from records absolutely yeah that's what i was gonna ask is just i know some people have very controversial views on it um you know i think me personally i've said before like you know is there a way to kind of give the wrestler chris benoit you know a a kind of a, a nod without kind of bringing him in like inducting like say the radicals or something but then you can't leave chris benoit out you know you induct him under a name in japan but then you don't know who it is it's just it's a hard thing for me as i was such a huge huge chris benoit fan when that whole thing went down um i can remember like literally watching that raw and that raw was just so like uh, it was just it was just awful um but i just i kind of i kind of wanted to ask you on that um but on the topic of people who have kind of been, I guess in a way, stricken from the record and blacklisted, do you think um, this whole thing that happened with Hulk Hogan last year, do you, do you think it was maybe a bit, um, not of an over-exaggeration, I mean, he said what he said, but do you think you know he should be allowed on WWE television again at any point? I mean, I think maybe he should be allowed, but I think it kind of happened at a time, unfortunately, where he's de- he can't wrestle in the ring anymore so uh for him to say controversial statements or just you know insulting statements like that it kind of came at a time where just i think it kind of ruined his career because you can only really use him as a uh, a spokesman but there's definitely spokesmen who don't have that uh like blemish on their record so i think it unfortunately can you bring him back sure but why would you want to especially when you have guys you have tons of wins that don't have anything like that on their record. It's sad for Hogan, obviously, the fact that he's he is Hulk Hogan, but these how these events unfold, and I, I completely agree with you saying that you know you bring him back as a spokesman for the company, and then someone's watching this go, yeah, well, he's a racist. Why would I watch your company? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, as far as the WWE, I mean, even, this is this WrestleMania will will show like how they feel about him because it's in Orlando. He has a lot of local businesses. I know like in the Tampa, Orlando's areas and everything like that. So if they don't bring him back this year, I can't see him coming back for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, kind of getting ready to wrap it up here for part one. Um, who's who's kind of some of your like – I mean you touched on a few guys before, but right now in the company, who's some of your favorite guys to watch right now? Oh, um, I definitely like uh, Luke Harper now. He's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, we've already mentioned AJ Styles, of course. Uh, I like Rusev on Raw. I like, uh, I mean, on the mic, I definitely like Enzo. Um, I'm, re- I- I'm really into, yeah, Cedric Alexander Watch because I've been seeing them wrestle around the Carolinas for a while. And then in NXT, I mean, Samojo and Nakamura, those are probably some of my two favorite wrestlers to watch ever, and they're wrestling each other week weekly on nxt so definitely have to give a, a shout out to those guys as well absolutely it's some great great stuff so you're still watching nxt regularly then uh I, yeah not definitely not uh on wednesday nights at eight o'clock but i definitely try to catch it before the the next one airs yeah absolutely it's with me like i'm obviously can't watch it as regularly but whenever you get the chance to catch up on it um it's some great stuff i mean i'm excited to see what happens with nakamura i'm hoping I'm kind of uh, they jumped up to two hours, though. I, I, I like the one-hour block. Yeah, I, 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 I did as well. I mean, say, you know, Raw making that big move to three hours was a lot for me. 
Um, it, it's rare that I'll sit down, even if I have the opportunity to watch Raw straight for three hours. It's like, holy crap. Um, I'm a SmackDown guy personally, but um, it, it, with the Royal Rumble coming up, we kind of did talk very, very briefly about it earlier. Um, but it, do you have any kind of quick predictions of someone you'd like to see win or anything like that? Uh, I think, uh, I mean, like, like to see win. I think it'd be cool if, uh, I mean, I mentioned earlier, like, I think Rusev has been killing it. So I think, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but it would be cool if, if Rusev got a, got a big push like that. I think he's a great heel. I think they were doing a lot of stuff with him with uh, Cena a few years ago. But he, as I, as his character has, I think, increased and his, his work rate has increased, they've kind of, He's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. So I would say Rusev. But as far as a prediction, I think I think the Undertaker is going to take it. Yeah, you think he's going to win and then go for – is he going to go for the uh, Universal or the World, you think? I think he's going to go for uh, the World. I think him and Cena are going to – that's going to be the, the marquee. Yeah, that, I mean that would be a um, – people can say whatever the hell they want on Cena. Um, I mean I'm – not going to sit here and say I'm a massive, massive John Cena fan, but at the end of the day, Cena versus Taker – yeah, that's a license to print money. Oh yeah, I mean, oh that yeah. Would be that'd be a match I'd be watching live if given the opportunity. You know. Yeah, that's something that when when the common person will see that on a billboard and remember the Attitude Era, know who John Cena is for Saturday Night Live and the SBs and stuff, and even if they're not a wrestling fan, could recognize that that is somewhat of a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge match. Should be be interesting to see what happens. I know there's been so much stuff floating around online about how that's not going to be the match and blah, 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 blah. But it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure this Royal Rumble. It's going to be a great event. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the two matches they're shooting for this year, it's uh, Goldberg and Brock are going to somehow eliminate each other. That's going to be a match. And then Cena Taker. And then I think that's going to sell at the stadium. You could pretty much uh, have uh, Divas matches down the card after that. And it would, yeah, it wouldn't even matter. All the other matches. I mean, unfortunately, with a with a card like that, I mean, I feel bad for whoever has to go on before those matches because uh, they're going to get lost in the shuffle for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, that's the that's the bad thing about Mania is there's always one or two guys that you want to see more of and know that they could do more things with, but. There's only so many spots on the card. All right, gang, so that was part one of my conversation with Jacob Grani from the Old One Two Pro Wrestling Podcast. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. Had so much fun having Jacob on. I know he had a good time too, so definitely going to have him on again in the future. Be sure to check him out on Twitter at JG Pro Wrestling, and of course, check him out on the SoundCloud as well. Hopefully be doing some more stuff with him in the future. I might uh, make be, be honored to make an appearance on the Old One Two Pro Wrestling Podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, part two which is going to be coming up on Sunday here, a little bit shorter than part one, um, but we go into all about podcasting and that kind of thing. So that's definitely a very interesting conversation. I love talking podcasting stuff now. <laughs> it's basically my favorite thing that we'll talk about now. Sometimes I love talking about wrestling and music and that kind of thing. I love talking podcast gear and that kind of thing. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. If you're listening on the SoundCloud, be sure to Follow the harder show on SoundCloud with everything that goes on. Leave a like and comment away on this particular track. If you are listening on the YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the harder show on YouTube. You have everything that goes on, any update videos like the one I posted Monday night, any harder plays stuff that I'm probably going to hopefully post some more stuff coming up soon, and all the podcasts on there. Be sure to leave a like or dislike on each video. Let me know what you think of it in the comment section below. And of course, if you're listening on the iTunes, be sure to subscribe to the Hotto Show to keep up with everything that goes on on the iTunes. Once you subscribe to the iTunes, you don't even have to think about it. Every single episode will be downloaded to the device of your choosing once you sign it up for that particular option. And while you're on the iTunes, maybe leave the Hotto Show a little rating, you know, and really appreciate that. Those, those ratings go a long way. Uh, I appreciate all the support, guys. As always, thank you all so, so much. And I will catch you guys next time on the Hotto Show. Take it easy.